Welcome to the Holy Donors Podcast. Join Andrew, Matt, Ren, and me, Thaddeus, as every week we bring you inspiring stories of radical generosity that have changed the world. So, Andrew, you ready to get started? Can't wait. All right. Well, welcome back to episode three of our season on JFK. Matt, you doing all right there? I'm doing good. Excellent. Thaddeus, you were doing all right? You ready for it? I am ready to go. I'm excited to bring our consideration of John F. Kennedy to a, to a conclusion. Great. All right. Well, last episode, we heard about Jack's time in the Navy, his heroism saving the uh, PT crew from certain death, and then his continued maladies with back injuries and back surgery and just a whole host of other things. But now it sounds like tragedy in the Kennedy family with Joe Jr. dying may change the direction of Jack's life. So where are we going in this third episode, Matt? Bear with me. We said earlier that we're not going to get too much into politics, but however, we can't tell the story of John Fitzgerald Kennedy without talking some politics. Bring it on. And so, yes, Joe Jr. has died in a horrific accident at the tail end of World War II. His dad comes to, to Jack and says, hey, now it's your turn. You're going to be the one who does it. And he takes time to think about it. He discerns it. He said, okay, I'll do it. And so now, now Jack is in the, he's a golden child. He's the one in the, in the driver's seat. He's the one that is going to walk the path that uh, Joe Sr. laid out for Joe Jr. He's running for office. First, he thought Congress. It's okay. a first step. It's the easiest step to get in, and he has to run against a guy by the name of James Curley. Okay. He thought he had James Curley by the shortened curlies, didn't he? Mm. <laughs> but um, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but James Curley would be his an opponent. Okay, something that would be difficult to beat because uh, James already has a name out there. Jack is a newbie. He's unknown. But in 1946. Joe Sr. makes a deal with Curly. So Curly is dealing with diabetes, okay. has a lot of medical bills, and is also facing a federal indictment for mail fraud. Yikes. Yeah, not so great. Joe Sr. offered to pay off all of his medical bills and legal bills and finance his campaign for re-election as mayor if he'd quit his congressional seat. All right. Sounds like Jack's starting to get the Joe Sr. treatment. That's right. Joe Sr. made an offer he couldn't refuse. (laughs) That's right. However, he wouldn't endorse Jack, but it didn't matter because once he got out of the way, Jack won by a landslide. It wasn't a competition. I I am more and more amazed as this season goes on, the degree to which Joseph Kennedy Sr. was a wire puller. I mean, I I knew that he was instrumental in paving the way or in preparing the ground for his son to ascend to the heights that he did in in politics, but I didn't know that it was on this level. I didn't realize that it was on this level of intervention. Yeah, Mm -hmm. pretty well. I mean, how can he, in, in some ways, how can he look at John Kennedy's movement through politics and really know if John Kennedy is ascending to these heights because of John Kennedy's, you know, character, his abilities, his knowledge, because it's all the 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 ground is being tilted in his advantage. Mm-hmm. He's 
I don't know. It's just kind of, it's distressing to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as we go along, you kind of see a separation when it comes to politics between his dad and, and Jack, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. Okay. Okay. So he wins a landslide. This is a congressional seat in the House of Representatives for the state of Massachusetts. Correct. Great. Yep. Okay. So then what happens? Okay. So, so during this time, there's there's a couple things that point back to uh, where, where Jack's going to get into philanthropic giving. Okay. So Joseph Sr. creates a foundation in the memory of their son, Joseph Jr., who passed away uh, in that horrific accident. And everybody gets behind this, this instance through the foundation. They're funding other things. They go from one to the other, but Jack is is giving through the foundation to Catholic charities, different groups from this. But I say this with a but, as Thaddeus, you pointed out last episode, was this because he wanted to give or was this for political advantage? And it could have been both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything's going great in Congress. He's accomplishing things. He's getting his feet wet politically. Everything is moving in the right direction. He's going the path that his dad has set out for him. And then the sickness comes in, mm. comes back. He's diagnosed with Addison's disease. Okay, now I'm not familiar with Addison's disease. So Addison's disease, also called adrenal insufficiency, it's not a very common disorder, but it occurs when your body isn't producing enough of the right kind of hormones. So it's not producing enough cortisol. Usually this presents as extreme fatigue, weight loss, low blood pressure, salt cravings, Nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, abdominal pain, irritability, depression—just a lot of, mm. yeah, kind of uh, any anything that affects your hormone levels is going to kind of wreak havoc across your entire body, both physically, but then also emotionally, psychologically as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But translation to that, he's dying. I mean, there, yeah. there's there's nothing great in the world of medicine that helps Addison's disease except for this one thing. But it's it's very experimental, and so he is used more or less as a guinea pig for this new treatment with cortisone, and it saves his life. Which now is a very common yeah. medicine, mm-hmm. cortisone. Yep, absolutely. But during this sickness also, it's a, it's a time where he goes out of the limelight and does make one step towards the church. There's this Boston church that he's going to that he starts giving and supporting during this time. This isn't in the limelight. This isn't for the newspapers. This is him realizing, hey, my life is not guaranteed and there is a higher being than myself. I need to give back. And he started giving to his church from that point. He's still a pretty young guy at this point. He's Mm -hmm. what, uh, in his late 20s, early 30s? Yeah. He would have been 31 when he won his second term in 48. Okay. I think something I am seeing here in JFK is... We have him willing to undergo the experimental treatment of with cortisone. He was courageous and daring and uh, put himself in harm's way, both in rescuing, trying to rescue the sailors and salvage the accident with the PT-109 and then agreeing to serve on the PT boats. And he also underwent the back surgery, which his father said he shouldn't do. Right, mm-hmm. and it was a it was a painful back surgery, wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't it? So I do see a man who has is possessed of physical courage, and who is willing to take risks even at harm to himself. So I think that is that's something commendable about him in his 
in his character. Yeah, I would say that. And, you know, he's kind of entering into this world of politics, but that doesn't mean that it's not for a desire to be a civil servant, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, one of my favorite, uh, I guess, sort of government uh, officials is George H.W. Bush, right? He was uh, president for a couple of years. He served in a number of different roles throughout the government, but he, he did it all out of a desire to be a civil servant, mm-hmm. right? To give back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he lived a long life where he was able to, even after his time serving, he was able to speak about this and inspire other people to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we'll find out, JFK didn't have that opportunity to get to that point, but maybe we would have learned more about his motivations had he had the chance to share. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now it 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 could be, it could look self-serving to, you know, sort of advance through political machine this quickly, but it could also be a true desire to serve. Mm. And to Thaddeus's point, you know, putting, uh, taking physical risks himself could demonstrate that character that is leaning more towards, I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to put myself into harm's way for the betterment of my people. And I think also we have to remember he is dealing with enormous numbers of physical ailments and he's leading a a full life mm-hmm. i mean he's he's yeah, I'd campaigning say so. yeah I'd say he's so. out there campaigning <laughs> sure. he was a naval officer he's not letting that get in the so that that's that deserves that that's something yeah so that, that's a lot i shouldn't it say that's something it that's is. a lot do you have thoughts or comments to share with the show or ideas for future holy donor subjects Send them to us, and your comments might be included in a season wrap party. Get in touch with us on Instagram, at HolyDonors. So Thaddeus, you kind of alluded to it, but 1948, he wins a second term in Congress, right? That's right. Yeah. And the family has another tragedy. Mm. Uh, one of his sisters, uh, she went by the name of Kick, uh, which was Kathleen, died in a plane crash in France. Goodness gracious. So now two of the kids, two of the nine, have died in planes, in plane accidents. Hmm. How did this affect Jack? It took a toll. Of all the siblings, Kick was probably the one that he was the closest to. Oh, really? Yeah. She was the one who uh, they they connected well. They they spoke well of each other, but but really they, they understood what each was going through. He took this hard. This was this was a tough one for him. Hmm. But uh, you know, his ultimate destination was the White House. Hmm. And he couldn't help but look at what's that next step. Sure. You know, second term Congress, that's great. But how do I make it to the next step and the next step yeah. until ultimately we hit the White House? And and he felt the best path to do it was to run for Senate. Okay. Makes sense. What would he have to do to win a seat in the Senate? Uh, he'd have to beat out a gentleman. If you remember back in episode one, Honey Fitz's grandfather was kind of pushed out by P.J., which was uh, Jack's grandfather, from his seat. And uh, it comes back at this point here because the gentleman that's in the seat that he's trying to take is the son of the gentleman who pushed out his his grandpa, Honey Fitz, from his seat. Oh, okay. And so he makes it his personal mission to, to make sure that he boots this guy out and he takes his spot. All right. How's he going to do that? It was extremely competitive, but one of the biggest things that he did is he used television. Television was a new okay. uh, idea. It seems crazy to us in, in the year 2023 
that television ads, political ads, would be a new craze since everywhere you turn, you have them uh, broadcast. But at this time, this this was new. This was brand spanking new, and he was able to use the television to his advantage. He was a good-looking guy. Mm. People connected with him. Not only the ladies, but the the men did too. They they connected with what he was trying to say. He was young. He was energetic. He was happy. He was connected. But there was also another thing. It was the newspapers. You know, the newspapers looked at the television ads and the television ads kind of trying to usurp them from the world of media. And so mm-hmm. if something went on the TV, three times as much uh, coverage happened in newspapers. Uh, yeah. So by JFK getting on the television, he got three times as much free advertising in newspapers oh, well. just because he went on the TV. Well, this is in 1952. And as we know from season one, Holy Donors, uh, our individual then, Danny Thomas, he really had his breakthrough in television after his 1951 time uh, in the movies, I'll See You in My Dreams. And in 1953 is when they launched Make Room for Daddy, which is following the I Love Lucy series. So the point is, is if I remember the numbers then, this was a massive leap in televisions in the home between 1950, the early 1950s, 1951, until 1963 or so. Mm-hmm. And so JFK is really, or Jack is, you know, kind of riding that wave as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. it's a That's an interesting tie-in to, to uh, Danny Thomas and, and how his career was elevated because of the television as well. Mm-hmm. I would be amiss if I left this piece out in his path too. Uh, Joe Sr. comes back in and realizes the Boston Post, a long pro-Republican newspaper, was to, about to endorse the opponent... That's Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. Mm-hmm. And the Lodges were a well-established Massachusetts Republican family. And his father was the one who pushed out honey fits. So Joe called the po- the paper's publisher, John Fox, and under Fox's erratic direction, the once mighty post had lost many of its readers and was burdened with huge debts. Mm. Joe Kennedy was well aware of Fox's tribulations and offered him a loan of $500,000 on the condition that the paper endorse Jack. Jack Kennedy, yep. Yep. Two (laughs) days later, guess who they endorsed? There you go. Joe Sr. pulling strings again. He did. And on November 3rd at 7 a.m., Kennedy was finally declared the winner over Lodge. And this is an interesting thing. Why why 7 a.m. the next day? Mm. Any guesses? Because it took a while for the news to get around. Sort of. It took a while to count the votes. They was ah. that close. Wow. It took them a while just to figure out, okay, who's going to really win this? Okay. So it sounds like Jack is making progress, right? He's mm-hmm. He's got two terms in Congress. He's, now he has, uh, he's a U.S. senator. Is he married? Uh, what's going on with his personal life there? He's still not married. Okay. He's single. And that's an interesting thing to point out here is you cannot become a bachelor president. It just is unheard of. Nobody's done it. Well, actually, I mean, technically, James Buchanan, who was president before Lincoln, he was a bachelor in a sense. He was a widower, but he was elected Mm. president without a wife. But I think even in that case, it's right. They're trying to present somebody that has stability or that has shown stability in life, right? So Buchanan being a widower probably is different than a 34-year-old Jack Kennedy yeah. who's never been married. And also the idea yeah. that if you if you haven't proven that you can lead and manage your own household, your mm-hmm. own, you know, domestic affairs, 
can we really trust you to handle yeah. the affairs of the entire country? Right. But there's that kind of traditional sense as well, I think. Are you ready for a conference that brings together practical fundraising tools, a supportive community, and our Catholic faith? If so, join us for Raise 23, the Catholic Fundraising Conference, June 19th through the 21st, 2023 in Louisville, Kentucky. You'll leave with new ideas for growing your organization's fundraising program and a cohort of peers to connect with for support and inspiration. All successful organizations need a vision for where they are heading and a roadmap to get there. One of the many great speakers at Raise 23 will be Kate Sell, founder and managing partner of Mission Advancement Partners. Kate has more than 20 years of experience with organizational strategy, development, and change. Learn about strategic planning directly from Kate at Raise 23. Register for Raise 23 today at PetrusDevelopment.com slash Raise 23 and use the promo code Howdy to get $50 off. That's PetrusDevelopment.com slash Raise 23, promo code Howdy. So John Fitzgerald Kennedy needs to find a wife. Maybe a beautiful 21-year-old with an excellent pedigree. <laughs> That's exactly who he found. Nice and reading the notes as we were going through here. Wait, did he find this woman or did Joe Sr. find this woman? <laughs> Any guesses? <laughs> I'm going to go Joe Sr., but Joe's, you tell me. Joe Sr. Uh, set this up. Okay, uh, all right. Set it up one time. And the, uh, the first time it flopped, she actually left with another gentleman who he asked her to marry him, and she said yes. Uh, that fell through. And, and then Joe Sr. offered the fiancé a million dollars to <laughs> get lost. In this instance, there's no, there's okay. no, there's nothing that points to that. But okay. what, what is known is that uh, it is, it does come out that she is single again. Another dinner is is had, and it's it's described that Jack leans over the asparagus and asks her for a date. Okay. Why the asparagus? I don't know why the asparagus, but uh, <laughs> it was detailed in one of his journals that that he leaned over the asparagus and asked her for a date. Okay. So the two lovebirds, they're finally married September of 1953. So it seems to be that at this point in time, everything is going JFK's way, except his health comes back again, and this time it's his back. I'm almost tired of talking about his health, but I think it's important to know. I bet he was tired of talking about I, his health, He too. probably was. Yeah. He goes back to the hospital. He goes into surgery, and he has another surgery on his back. This one, although fixes his back, he gets an infection that almost kills him again. So if you're keeping track, this is his third time that he almost dies Mm -hmm. because of some medical issue that he has. Mm. In comes a priest, (laughs) receives last rites again, kicks it, but it's it's a struggle for him to get over over this last infection. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I brought up the points about him showing physical courage, and he's sh- showing physical courage by going through this back surgery and then um, surviving the infection. While he's in the hospital recovering from this back surgery is when he writes his most famous book. It's called Profiles in Courage. He looked at seven or eight, I believe, senators from American history, and when they went against their party or against their constituency on particular matters. And he won a Pulitzer Prize for this book, and it was a bestseller. Unfortunately, he didn't write it. (laughs) Or 
He wrote the introductory chapter and he wrote the concluding chapter. And the idea of the book was his, but he, uh, using his influence, he brought in some very well-regarded American historians to help consult on the writing of the chapters. And then he hired his friend and later speechwriter, Ted Sorensen, to essentially ghostwrite the entire book. And, and he accepted the Pulitzer Prize publicly as the author of the book. Mm. And I think that's worth talking about because, again, we're trying to evaluate his character. Mm. That doesn't speak well to integrity, honesty. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good point and, uh, you know, it's worth considering. So what happens after he recovers from uh, surgery? So his eyes are still on the White House. 1956, he just narrowly misses the vice presidency. And from that point on, he sets his sights on the White House. And in Mm -hmm. 1960, through a hard-fought primary and then a hard-fought race, he wins the presidency against the vice president, Richard Nixon. Hot dog. There you go. He made it. He followed his his dad's path. He Mm -hmm. made it. He made it there. And although it seems like we've kind of went through a lot of the politics to get us to this point, we're about to go even quicker. Narrowest margin of victory up to that point in That's time. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. But a lot of the emphasis of the um, reporting of this presidential campaign was on Kennedy's faith, right? Mm-hmm. Al Smith had tried to be the first Catholic president back in 1928 with the help of John Raskob. Didn't uh, succeed then, but this would have made Jack Kennedy the first Catholic president. And it was talked about a lot. It was. It was. And he's famous in one of his speeches as saying, I believe in an America where the separation of church and state is absolute, where no Catholic prelate would tell the president, should he be Catholic, how to act, and no Protestant minister would tell his parishioners for whom to vote. That's that's very well said. It is. Yeah. It is. And, and I think as we get up to this point and in his presidency through all the things that he went through— that I think this is his shining moment. We're not going to go into it. We've kind of drug him through the the mud a little bit. We've shared a lot of all truth, but shared a lot of the negative in his character. But I think his presidency, whether you know whether you're Democrat, whether you're Republican, whether you believe or, or not in, in, in what he said and what he did, you can't help but look at his presidency and see the incredible things that he had to deal with and lead a country through. He had to lead us in the Bay of Pigs, the Cold War, Civil Rights Movement, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Space Race, and, of course, the infamous Marilyn Monroe, Happy Birthday, Mr. President. All of these things happen, and although the last one was more humorous than anything else, I think it points, again, to this leadership piece. And I hate to say that it was cut short, that it was cut quickly, His four-year term didn't go to conclusion, but on November 22nd, 1963, his third year as president, while visiting Dallas, he was traveling in a motorcade on the back of his convertible, and John Fitzgerald Kennedy was assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald. We mentioned this before. There's so much we can go to and go into about his presidency and his assassination. Truthfully, that's going to take more time than we have today and in, in really this season um, and it's not really the point of where we're going with this. There's conspiracy theories, twists and turns. But that's not, again, as we talked about before, that's not where we're going. The evidence that has and can be found about his philanthropic giving, again, goes to these small pieces. 
his giving to Catholic charities, uh, to Catholic churches. And then a little bit of a secret that a lot of people don't know is that he never took a salary while he was an elected official. In oh, well. Congress, Senate, and presidency, he donated 100% of his salary to charities. Wow, okay. Where the salary went, the charities that he gave to, nobody totally knows. He gave those in secret and, and, mm. and in quiet. However, he did give those give 100% of what he made away during that time. Okay. And I think as we, we look at our Holy Donors podcast, and we, we're about to go through the questions here, you know, one of the things we look at is, did their giving, or through their giving, did they make an impact on the world? Did they change the world through their philanthropic giving? We'll argue whether that happened or not. Yeah. But I will say that it, it started a, an idea that when you're an elected official, it's not necessarily a job, a job that you make a living at and you support your family. Mm. It is a public service. That's what he displayed. However he displayed it, whatever he put on, granted he was very wealthy at the time, but it did start this idea that it's not necessarily a job to pursue. Has this been something that other politicians have picked up on? From what we could find and put together, there were only there have only been three presidents who did not take a salary. That would be JFK, Herbert Hoover, and Donald Trump. All right. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Holy Donors, brought to you by Petrus Development in cooperation with Red Sea Catholic Radio. Theme music by Tommy Kibb, Third Top Productions, graphics by 86 Creative. If you like us, leave us a review, share us with your friends, and check us out at holydonors.com and on Instagram. Holy Donors, bringing you inspiring stories of radical generosity that have changed the world. Everybody knows Babe Ruth, and most know about his very public faults. But there is much more to the man than what the common telling of story involves. Did you know that the Babe had a big reversion to the Catholic faith before he died and wore a miraculous medal everywhere he went? Get the full story on one of the greatest baseball players to ever live on the Holy Donors Podcast Season 5, The Comeback Kid. Why did the sailor ground his son? Why? His graves were below sea level. (laughs) What's a sailor's least favorite color? Green. Maroon. Ah. All right. All right. friend well, of mine has an unhealthy obsession with, air, with aircraft carriers. He worships them. <laughs> do some of that, too. Fun fact. Popeye the Sailor Man isn't actually all that strong by Danish or Norwegian standards, but he's strong to the finish because he eats his spinach. spinach. He's Popeye the Sailor, Sailor Man. Man. Mm-hmm.